This is Crossroads with Clayton King. Thanks for joining us for this special message. I preached recently at Biltmore Church in Western North Carolina for one of my best friends, Pastor Bruce Frank, a church I've preached at for almost 20 years. This is my favorite Psalm, Psalm 139. It encourages me and I think it will encourage you too because there are moments in your life when you feel like God doesn't see you or God doesn't know what you're going through or God doesn't care. But this passage of scripture shows us that God knows you, God made you, and God loves you very, very much. So get a pen and a notebook and your Bible and let's read the word together. Psalm 139 is where we're at today. Here's the title of the message from my favorite psalm. Pastor Bruce said, Clayton, what is your favorite psalm? I said, well, mine is Psalm 139. And there are some reasons for that, but primarily because I see three words that rise up off the page of Psalm 139. And it's these three words, made, known, loved. Made, known, loved. That's who we are because of God's love for us. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 16. I want to read this for you, and I want to read it slowly. This morning, I've really been reminded by the Holy Spirit to just let the Scripture speak to us as the primary source of what God wants to say to His people, the church today. So the Scriptures will be up on the screens. You can follow along with your copy of God's Word. This is what the psalmist writes, beginning in Psalm 139, 139, verse 1. Lord... You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me You have placed your hand on me. This wondrous knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths 
of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, I want to pause right now and I want to join the psalmist who just could not help himself but to pause and praise you. And I want to tell you today, we love you, God, for who you are. We praise you for what you've done. Your character is unmatched. Your love for us is so unfathomable that it absolutely confounds us, but it is so simple that in childlike faith, we believe it's true. And now would you open up our hearts as we open up the scriptures. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. I want you to look at some of the words that are used in these 16 verses from Psalm 139. I didn't read the whole chapter. I wanted to concentrate on these 16 verses because this is powerful. God is revealing himself here through the psalmist as actively involved in your life. Actively involved. Now, I have a 17-year-old. He's gonna be a senior this year. And if you know anything about teenagers, they tend to get super involved with everything. He's got his own car. He's got his own friends. He makes a little money because he works a little side job. He's a varsity football player at T.L. Hannah. He's a varsity basketball player at T.L. Hannah. He's six foot four. He takes AP classes. And he's got a girlfriend. This kid never stops. He never slows down. And Shari and I have tried to just make a commitment because he's a senior this coming year. We wanna to go to all of his games and we wanna attend all of the functions and we wanna be actively involved in his final year at home with us. And I said that one day and someone said, well, you know he's probably gonna move back home because that's what teenagers are doing these days. I said, not my teenagers. That boy is not moving back home. Home. We're kicking him out of the nest. Learn to fly, little eagle. Learn to fly. Flap those wings. This is, there's no free lunch. Get out there and work and figure it out. We're trying to be actively involved in his life. I want you to see how actively involved God is in your life. Here are some words that stand out. Uh, starting in verse one, here are the active verbs that describe God's perspective and God's activity in your life and mine. He has searched me. He has known us. He understands us, verse one and two. Verse three, he observes us. He is aware of us, verse three. He knows all about us, verse four. He has encircled me and placed his hand on me, verse five. He is following me, verse seven. If you skip ahead a little bit down to verse 10, he leads us, he holds us with his right hand. If you go down to verse 13, he has created our inward parts. He has knit us together in our mother's womb. Number, uh, verse 14, he has made us. Uh, number, uh, in verse 15, again, he has made us and formed us. And in verse 16, he sees us and plans our life. Just from the scripture, 
I hope you will see from the beginning of this message today that God is not absent from your life, that God cares about you, that God sees you, knows you, he forms you, he created you, he has plans for you, he understands you, he knows why you think the way you think, why I react the way I react. God is actively involved in your life. So in the time I've got, I wanna lift four truths from the pages of scripture. Number one, before you were you, God designed you. Before you were you, God designed you. God gave you the personality he wanted you to have. And I was thinking about how Psalm 139 shows us all of these. It it, it makes this theme so clear that before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God knew who you would be. That means your eternal soul will then live on forever and ever. God gave you the personality that God wanted you to have. God changes our identity, but God doesn't have to change a personality. And I think that, I think that some people need to hear this more often, that there are parts of you that God made and he, and he He made them specifically, uniquely designed for who you are. And there's a sense in which we need to learn to be okay with the personality that God gave us. Now, that's not the same thing that some people mean when they say, you are enough, it is what it is, just be okay with everything. God made your personality, but God wants to change our identity. I don't know what your personality is, but I hope that you'll see from Psalm 139 that before you were ever born, before you were you, God designed you. Can I also mention this on point number one? Because God designed you, he gets to define you. Because God designed you, he gets to define you. My primary identity is not pastor. My primary identity is not evangelist. My primary identity is not dad, husband. My primary identity is child of God. There will come a day in your life where you won't be able to do what you're doing right now. There will come a day in your life that retirement will be imminent. I mean, as as good as you are at your job right now, Know that a day will come when if your identity has been tied into your career or your children or your grandchildren or the job you make or the money that you make, there will come a day that you won't make any more money. There'll come a day that I won't preach any more sermons. There'll come a day when I won't be a pastor at a local church anymore. I hope I preach until I die. That's my plan. But I don't get to make those plans. Our identity is not in what we do. Our identity is in who made us. And from page one of the Bible, from the very beginning, God made them male and female. And God made them to procreate and populate the earth. And I can look in our world right now, you know, David mentions here, the psalmist mentions the darkness. I'm just gonna testify right now. It feels like America is getting darker and darker by the minute. Do you feel it? It seems to me like the devil who used to hide in the shadows 
and, and used to try to infiltrate secretly has now come out from behind that door and he's in broad daylight and his plans to devastate and destroy and confuse our culture are on plain display. That's the world we're living in right now where everything is being redefined, where everybody's got their own definition. When Jesus in Matthew 19 quotes Genesis, he is affirming God's design when he said, for this reason, he made them male and female and the man will leave his mother and father, cling to his wife and the two will become flesh. Then Jesus, God in the flesh, adds his own commentary and says, therefore what God has designed slash joined together, let no one separate. When God says don't do something, you know what he's saying? Don't hurt yourself. And I just want you to hear the love of God. God's not trying to withhold anything from you. God's not trying to keep anything from us. God's not trying to steal joy from you. He's trying to give you joy. He's trying to give you life. He's trying to give you peace. He's trying to give you happiness. He's trying to give you blessing. He's trying to give you a family. He's trying to give you his presence through the Holy Spirit. And so when God says, Clayton, don't do that, what he's saying is, Clayton, if you do that, you're gonna hurt yourself. And because I love you, I don't want you to get hurt. I love my kids, I'll do anything to keep them from getting hurt. When God says don't, he's saying don't hurt yourself. So the one that designed you gets to define you. He's the engineer, he's the creator. Number two, God is already everywhere you go, so why are you ever afraid? God is already everywhere you go. I love verse seven. The psalmist says, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the grave, you are there. If I live at the eastern horizon or settle in the western limits, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. You can't get away from God's presence in your life. He is aware of where you are. He knows what you fear. And if God has already gone ahead of you, if God has already gone before you, why are we ever afraid of anything? You know, I mean, all of us, we're afraid of things that have not happened yet. And everywhere fear dwells in your life and my life, that's a place we have forgotten God's presence. When God calls you to an assignment, God has already been working behind the scenes to prepare that. And the psalmist says this, I can't go anywhere from God's presence. Listen, just a little point of theology here. You don't get the Holy Spirit days, weeks, months, or years after you get saved. You get the Holy Spirit when you respond to the gospel and give your life to Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You can read this in Ephesians chapter one. It says this, that having believed, you are sealed with a promise, the Holy Spirit of God. And Paul says, he is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. You don't get the Holy Spirit later on. The Holy Spirit is the one that draws you to Jesus, that draws you to salvation, that calls you to repentance. And the moment that you pray, Jesus, save me. I confess you as Lord. I believe you're alive. Come into my heart. That moment, the Holy 
Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart and he seals you. That means you will never lose your salvation if you've truly been saved. And I stand on that promise. That means the Holy Spirit who is in you and has sealed you goes with you everywhere you go. You can't go anywhere away from his sight or away from his presence. He's always there and he's already there. Hey, before I wrap up this message, I wanted to tell you about something really exciting that's happening right now at Crossroads. For over 20 years, we've prayed about and looked for a piece of property we could use for ministry training and retreat and refuge, and we found it. We've just purchased a beautiful home on a two acre peninsula on beautiful Lake Hartwell in South Carolina, and we're renovating it right now to make it available. We wanna be able to use this as a pastoral and ministry leader retreat, as well as a place of refuge, as well as a place that you could rent for a weekend getaway, or even your team of staff from your organization, your church, or your business. We're doing all of this through the support of friends like you. So if you'd like to help us, you can go to claytonking.com give and make a donation, but please pray for us that we'll be able to use the Crossroads Retreat to bless folks in the kingdom of God in the days to come. Number three, you can't hide from God and you actually don't have to. You can't hide from God. There's no need for you to feel the shame of your sin and run from God when we can feel the conviction of our sin and run toward God. You don't have to run from God. You don't have to hide from him. You can't. He already sees you. Any of y'all remember when you had your kids were little? <laughs> I still love to do this with, with kids. I did this yesterday. There was a, um, a, little, a little kid at the YMCA. I was talking to uh, this family they're holding this little boy, and, and I did this whole ah, peekaboo. I love that. I love kids. We're on the same mental level, and so I feel like I connect with little children, and they're also easy to entertain, and they'll typically laugh at me, except for the occasional one that screams and cries. Who is that big, bald man with a beard? Mommy, save me. Anyway, when your kids were little, remember how when they were learning how to play hide and seek, they actually thought if they just covered up their eyes? that you couldn't see them. That's how silly it looks to our heavenly father when we try to run and hide from his presence, when we're ashamed of something we've done. He still sees us. He still knows exactly where you are. And he's not calling you out of the darkness of your hiding so that he can chastise you and punish you. If you belong to God in Christ, the punishment you deserve was already laid upon Jesus' back. Your father wants you to come out of hiding. He wants you to come out of darkness so that you can receive his grace, his mercy, so that you can repent and be made whole again. I've got one more point I wanna make from Psalm 139. One more point. And it's the overview of the whole chapter. God made you, God knows you, and God loves you. That's the heart of Psalm 139. You are who you are because God dreamed you up. Satan hates you because you are made in the image of God. 
The devil wants to destroy you with shame and blame, with addiction and sin. The devil wants to destroy you because when the devil sees you, he sees an image of God and God is his enemy. When God made you, God then gave you a place in this world and he has known everything about you ever since, even the very thoughts in your mind. It says in verse 12, 13 and 14, for it was you, God, who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I've been remarkably and wondrously made. And I think that the action point for me when I read Psalm 139 is to just take off the mask in front of God. Stop trying to pretend to be somebody I'm not. Stop running, stop hiding. Let God define my identity. I've got a friend, those of y'all, you've heard me preach for years, you know that I'm an old school and pro wrestling fan. Don't worry, I'm not gonna go off on a tangent here. This is pertinent to the message. I've got a friend, he's 64 years old now. He's still wrestling. He's one of the most famous wrestlers of all time. His ring name is Sting. His real name is Stephen Borden. And we met over COVID through another mutual friend who's a professional wrestler. And Sting gave his life to Jesus several years ago and he is a bold disciple and he shares the gospel. And we were talking on the phone one time as he was kind of sharing his story with me. And he said, you know, in the wrestling industry, you take on a persona of the identity of your, your ring uh, personality. And in the course of his career, he would put on face paint, still wears face paint. And he said, I would hide behind that mask. And I began to be more and more like my stage persona, my ring persona, until I realized that the drugs, the alcohol, the women, the money did not satisfy me. And when I realized that I had everything I always wanted and it did not make me happy, I had to look up and realize the one thing I didn't have was Jesus. And when I gave my life to Jesus, I took off the mask I dropped the facade, I stopped pretending, and now I know that God knows exactly who I am and he loves me regardless. That's the message of Psalm 139. Take off the mask. You don't have to pretend with God. If you're having a bad day, tell God. If you're angry at your spouse, tell God. If your kids are driving you nuts, tell God. If you're worried about money, tell God. If you're upset about family members, tell God. If you just got a cancer diagnosis and you're scared, tell God. He's just waiting on you to tell him because he already knows and he just wants a relationship with you. The whole feeling of Psalm 139 is the closeness and intimacy that God has with his children. Let me ask you to be honest for a moment. Take off the mask, no need to pretend. Do you feel a closeness with God right now? I've had seasons in my life where I felt very separated from God. And then I've had days where I felt like He was almost as close to me as my next breath. But I found this out to be true, not only from the scripture, but from my own experience, that if you feel distant from God, one way you can close that gap is just by talking to Him. God's right there for you right now. You may be in your car, at your desk, 
maybe working out in the gym, listening to this podcast or listening to this on the radio, doesn't matter where you are, the quickest way for you to feel close to God again is to talk to Him. And I want to invite you to do that right now. Just tell God how you feel. If you haven't felt close to Him for a while, tell Him. If you need Him to help you in some area of your life, tell Him. Just ask. God cares about you, and He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He made you, He knows you, and He loves you. When you know that God loves you, and nothing can separate you from God, it makes access to God so much easier. I hope that you'll do that right now. Talk to God where you are. If you'd like to hear this message again, send it to a friend, or learn how to take a next step in your walk with Jesus, check us out at ClaytonKing.com.